Worried about the current market volatility? Is your advisor telling you to hold on for dear life? Join us as we talk about how to spot the difference between gambling and investing. Welcome to Label on Fire with Label Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Label on Fire. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Label on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell with Label Sternbach. Who's he by now? He is the author of a couple of great books, one, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Label's been with us for quite some time. His website is yields4u.com. Label, hello and welcome back, sir. Hey, how are you doing today? Unbelievable. And I just keep watching what's happening with our government. And I have a great question for you, which I think is a great question because it comes from our friend Brian. He wants to know, Label, how do you tell if you're gambling or investing? That is a great question. Okay. Gambling versus investing. Let's start with let's start with this, right? My dad, my dad firmly believed that in card counting and specifically blackjack, he was into every kind of strategy for beating the house at blackjack. And he would buy these systems and learn them and software and training himself to be able to do it. The thing is that both gambling and investing, both of them can be investments and both of them can be gambling. We know people who make their livelihood gambling. They go to the casinos and they've got their system, whether it's a card counting, whether it's how they go up to the slot machines or whatever. And There are people who they consistently have winnings, so much so that the IRS has it as a standard box on your tax return of what your gambling winnings are. And you can offset your gambling gains with your gambling losses, right? Because people make a business out of it. Gambling, right, inherently by itself doesn't mean that it's bad. What it is, it connotates the fact that you are allowing a certain amount of chance into your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the differentiating factor. Is your investment strategy based on chance or is it something that is based on statistics and probability and and a certain amount of financial savviness? Right. That isn't isn't based on the whims of what the market does. Right. It's for a fact that you or you have a high probability that this is what the outcome is going to be. And if you don't have a high probability, then, yeah, you're no different than gambling and you need to make sure. I think that's the struggle is making sure that what you're doing in your investment world and your financial world, that it's not a gamble, that it's not based on chance. It's not based on whim. It's based on facts and logic and statistics and probability. It's interesting that you say that because just based on Brian's question, the way it was structured, it seems as if, and I'm thinking that Brian is not an outlier, that a lot of people think that investing is in fact gambling uh, and it involves a whole lot of chance, but you are saying not so much, you don't think the chance is, is involved in investing. I don't, yeah, I, for me, investing doesn't involve at all any amount of chance. I'm not a gambler. Mm. Uh, yeah, when I go to Vegas for conferences or whatever, I'll spend 100, 200 bucks and play some blackjack or whatever. But that's entertainment, right? That's not, I'm not going there to make money. 
I'm not there to lose money, right? I'm there to have some fun. When it comes to investing, right? I don't look at the stock market as something where it's a lottery ticket and maybe I make money, maybe I don't make money. I know when I put money into the stock market that I have a better than even chance of making money. And not only that, but I know that it's pretty much guaranteed that over the long run, I'm going to make money. And now the only way that I can have that certainty is by actually understanding what the stock market is, understanding what drives its growth and its value, and then making sure that I'm the right side of that equation. Because yes, it is very easy to go in there and for it to be a one-armed bandit where you just keep pulling that lever at buying this stock and buying that stock. And if there's no rhyme or reason, you can buy losers every single damn time, right? It is 100% possible to always have losers and to lose all your money and to go bank bankrupt in the stock market. However, if you are smart about it and you play the odds in your favor, not in favor of the houses where the casino, right? And that's an advantage that you have in the stock market that you don't have in a casino. The casino, the games are rigged against you, right? The house will always win over the long run. In the stock market, you could win over the long run. You can have the rules be in your favor. And I'm going to just out lay this out for you, right? Mm-hmm. That is as long as the United States is a, gro- a going concern. And I, I really don't care whether we're a dictatorship or not, or a democracy, that's not important. What matters is that we're still a functioning economy and we have people who are living here and they're having babies, which means that they have an outlook for the future that's better than for the next generation than for the previous generation. As long as those three things are consistent, as long as those three things are consistent, I know the stock market is going to continue to grow because it really is a product of that. And not just the United States, but the world as a whole, right? As long as people are having babies, as long as these babies are consuming products and goods created by the companies, those companies are going to be raising money from those same people, right? This is the beauty of our capitalist system. And Mm -hmm. that's going to drive the stock market's growth. So that to me, right, is a henwood, not a henwood, a tailwind for it, right, where it's going to continue to increase. Now, my job, the difference between gambling and investing, okay, if I'm going in there and I'm trying to pick who the next Uber is, who the next Tesla is, who the next Facebook is, right, that's gambling. Because statistic, statistically speaking, you're not going to get that right. So we need to go in and we're betting on people, we're betting on the human race as a whole, not on individual companies. And when you start doing that, and you start looking at the broader strokes of how things work and how the economies work, and that's where you really, it stops being gambling and it's investing. So it seems as if we need to have our own mission statement or uh, an investment policy going in. You definitely need to have an investment policy, but just having a policy doesn't help you, right? You can write a a mission statement, you can write an investment policy, but if it's based on the fact that you think that the sky is always going to, it's purple, that's not going to do anything, right? It needs to be based on reality. It needs to be based on a a, um, a probable outcome for the future right? Uh, You need to have that statistical probability that this is what the future is going to look like. 
And then your investment policy statement, right, can help you. Your investment policy statement tells you, this is what we need our money to do. This is how we're going to make it do it. This is the statistical probability of it happening. This is what's going to tell us when we're wrong, because mm -hmm. there are going to be times that we're going to be wrong, right? Like when interest rates for the first time in 20 years start increasing to above 2%. And when there's a global pandemic that makes every Western and developed nation go shit, we can't rely on third world countries to produce our goods when you have a, a huge world power decide to go to war with a much smaller country. Those are all things that make you reconsider that the future is not going to be the same as the past and you need to change your investment outlook. And that needs to be in your investment policy. That needs to be part of your plan. And you need to have a plan that's based on probable outcomes of the future. It does make a lot of sense. I'm just wondering, are there some common mistakes that people make when it comes to investing for retirements and outlining that uh, policy statement? Yeah. So the, the common mistakes that I see, one is not having a plan at all, mm -hmm. right? So that, that's number one. Number two is being super simple in the plan, right? So some people are like, oh, I got my 401k. I'm going to pick a target date fund and that's it, right? And that's perfectly okay as long as you're saving up for retirement. The problem is that what you're really doing is you're outsourcing you're outsourcing your responsibilities to someone else who doesn't know you, who doesn't care about you, excuse me, and has and really doesn't get impacted by whether their strategy works for you or not. So you when creating that investment policy statement, you want to know that it's really a reflection of you, your needs, both your objective needs and your subjective needs, right? So what makes you feel safe? What will make you feel like retirement is worthwhile? As well as how much do you actually need to live? And that it's going to get you there. Because if it's not going to get you there, then what's the point? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so you need, you need to have that written plan and it really needs to be personalized for you. And it needs to say in there, these are the things that will cause us to reconsider it. And it needs to be stuff that you're okay with. Because if something happens that's not on that list and causes you to reconsider it, you need to know, okay, this is what we do. This is the process that we follow because that's what's going to keep you from gambling versus making smart decisions. And that's what life is really all about. Investing is being able to make the best decision for yourself and your loved ones. I have a hard question for you. And just as those words come out of my mouth, I know nothing is difficult for you. So here it is. <laughs> Vanguard is really big on low-cost index funds, and I know a lot of people believe that financial advisors can just uh, cost them money, and they're better off without them. What are your thoughts on Vanguard? On Vanguard or whether advisors are worth the fee you pay them? <laughs> <laughs> I like the secondary question better. All right. So Vanguard low index funds, if you're just going to own the index, then yes, own the lowest cost index because you're saving yourself some money on fees. In terms of whether advisors are worth their fees, I think that's really dependent on the advisor and the, the client. There are, and it, it, on the situation, right? You don't always need a financial advisor. There's a lot of lots of people who I meet with who I'm like, listen, I think that you just need some subject matter expertise, right? You're facing this decision that you've never faced before, whether that's taking social security or that's doing Roth conversions or whatever. And you have this one there's one decision that you need to get over. And once you're over that, 
you're pretty, you're doing pretty good on your own, right? So for some people, they don't need a financial advisor. What they really need is a consultant for a limited period of time or someone who they can pick their brain. And the good news is that there's a whole world of financial advisors now who do that. They're really financial consultants. They're not financial advisors, not in the traditional sense. Having said that, there's also the spectrum of financial advisors when you think the traditional sense of that they do everything for you, they do financial planning for you, right? They're completely hands-on. And I think that assuming that the fee is reasonable, because there's definitely a a certain point where the fee may not be reasonable, uh, but assuming the fee is reasonable, generally speaking, most financial advisors deliver a lot more value than their cost. Now, if you at any point don't feel like you're getting the value out of your financial advisor that you're paying them, then you're probably paying them too much. But that is, statistically speaking, financial advisors uh, generally provide value to their clients. Having said that, there's a lot of financial advisors out there who all they do is manage your investments. They don't talk to you. They don't help you with these questions. When you're feeling concerned or worried about the markets, my job as a financial advisor, probably 60% of the time is just helping people feel comfortable with what's happening and making sure that their investments and their accounts are creating an experience that they're comfortable with. Because if they're not comfortable with the experience they're having, that's when we run into the situation where we're making poor decisions, where we're taking money out of the market at the wrong time, or where we start chasing returns on the other side of the spectrum, and we start taking on risks that are just out of whack and not don't help us achieve our goals. And so helping people just being that guiding hand a lot of times, that helps people more than they can possibly pay because just avoiding those bad decisions, that that has untold dividends, that pays untold dividends. And then you have other things like taxes, right? Saving people 10, 20% on taxes, mm-hmm. that's more than I, whatever I can do in the market, right? So the 1% that people pay me for the limited people I work with, if I can't provide you with more than 1% of return, then I'm going to tell you that up front. That's first of all, but you should definitely be getting a lot more than that. And you should ask, what am I getting for it? And is it worth it? Libel, we're we're literally out of time. Do you have a final thought? How can we get more information? On my website, I've got under upcoming classes, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a class that I have on there on how to choose a financial advisor. And if you've got questions about what should you look for an advisor, is paying fees worth it? What are the different types of advisors? How do you go about picking one? Or if you have worries about the market, I've got I would recommend that you take that class. I've got a free one, how to choose a financial advisor. And then I think I've got a $10 class on how to manage investments. And I take you through really understanding and building your own portfolio so you can do it yourself. And then you can, at the end of the class, you can decide, hey, is this something I want to do or is this something I'm willing to pay someone to do it for me? And I even tell you how to do it like with mutual funds, because that's a way of paying someone without paying them to manage your account. Wow. Sounds like inside information. That's all the time we've got. The website is yields4u.com, yields, the number four, the letter u.com. And again, that's all the time we have. If you'd like to get a second opinion on your retirement portfolio, a free retirement and tax SWOT analysis, and they'll help you identify the strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities in your portfolio. We'll see you next time. If you would like to see how the Yields for You team can help you get off the Wall Street roller coaster and save you money on taxes so you can live the life of your dreams, book an appointment online 
at yieldsforyou.com. That's yieldsforyou.com. Or call 410-914-4894. That's 410-914-4894. Yields for You is a registered investment advisor in the state of New York and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.